Rollins of the night. Jimmy Rollins is going to try for three. Here he comes. In the air, down the right field line. Way back there. On an RBI hit by Mitchie Poole. Here's the throw to the plate. It's in the air. He is. Oh! The 0-2 What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Phillies Nation podcast. I am your host, Ty Daubert, coming at you a little bit sooner after our last episode than we thought, but some pretty big Phillies news happened in the meantime. Had to come back with a quick episode. Talk about talk about the big news. The Phillies going over the luxury tax, reportedly signing Nick Castellanos to a five-year contract. Before we get into it, have to introduce my co-host, Nathan Ackerman. Nathan, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, Ty. I told you I was going to put you on the spot early in this pod here, and I think you owe me an apology. Do you know what it's for? Um, no. Okay, January 9th, our bold predictions for 2022 pod. I said, my gut feeling, the Phillies were going to pay the luxury tax at some point this year, and you called me, quote, crazy. Uh, it has not even been two and a half months, and I've already been proven right. Do you want to you say your part? Yeah, I I was absolutely floored that the Phillies chose to to make this signing that they signed Castellanos, taking them over the luxury tax for the first time in franchise history. We said it a couple of days ago after they signed Schwarber. It's it was it was a surprise to me. I didn't think it would happen, but here they are, and you know, looking like a pretty good lineup coming up this season. Yeah, no, me too. I, I just wanted to flex for a little bit. I thought, look, I thought they were going to pay it like in July. So the fact that it happened this soon was surprising to me, even though I, you know, predicted it. But anyway, we don't need to talk, talk about that anymore. Yeah. And, you know, talking about Castellanos, well, Nathan dunks on me a little bit. We wanted to bring on a guest onto this pod, bringing on Johnny Heller from Phillies Nation. Used to be the co-host of this podcast. He's back on as a guest to break down Castellanos. He's actually sitting right next to me. Johnny, how are you doing? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing well. Yeah, can't complain. Uh, All right, Johnny, any, what, what was your reaction when you saw that they signed Castellanos? Well, when I saw that they signed it, it was like, you know, not a surprise to the level of, it, it was really, you know, Jason Stark reported, was it Friday morning, Thursday morning? I think maybe Thursday morning um that they were interested it was yesterday it was yesterday morning it all happened yesterday all happened yesterday we're recording we're recording this on saturday night it happened yesterday morning uh stark reports that they're in serious pursuit i think was the wording and then later that day jason stark along with matt gelb have a story in the athletic talking about why castellanos might be their guy so that was kind of how it how it went down right and and i think maybe the the day before maybe it was thursday john morosi at mlb.com um reported that they were among the teams in and he listed them in the marlins and and at that point i think everyone was like ah you know boris like it it didn't line up with anything that had been reported to that point because it didn't seem like there was any expectation the phillies were going uh going over the luxury tax but once once i think stark reported it and once it was it was out there um it it just seemed like something that was was going to happen yeah Um, but but then again, it was quiet all day, and and I'm, I'm sitting in bed, getting ready to you know get get some Z's as as one does, and and see the see the report drop that they signed him. Um, I think it was a, a pretty fair deal for both sides. 
uh, probably a little bit less money than I was expecting. Yeah, I thought that was a bit of an underpay, but I think that's why right. they, they jumped after him. Based on the reporting from Stark and Gelb, it, it seemed that Dave Dombrowski and the Phillies front office, they went to John Middleton, the Phillies uh, owner, and they said Cassianos is a, a great player who's not getting the contract that they probably thought he would end up getting. So they, they thought this was the right opportunity to, to jump at. And now's the time to go after the luxury tax because he's somewhat of, he's like an all-star level player in Castellanos's best year. Maybe he's, he, even last year for a lot of the season, he's in the MVP conversation. And, and that's a player who just got five years, a hundred, hundred million dollars. Like that's, that's an underpay I thought. And I think I understand why they, they went after him. Yeah. I, I think it's also important to note, like he's 30. He's not, he's not one of these guys that's hitting free agency when he's like 33. I, I think there's a, a big difference because, you know, in baseball guys, guys prime can last through what 32, 33. So, um, you know, you're up front, you're getting, you know, and, and, and you would hope uh, some of the best years of his career. And, and that kind of aligns with the rest of, of where the Phillies core is right now. So um, yeah, definitely made sense. And then the, the other thing about the age, too, is we're not talking about a guy that's going to need to be playing in the field for five or six more years or four or five or six more years. We're talking about a guy who's probably going to be the DH for the majority. I, I mean, obviously, he's going to have to play left from time to time. Third base, question mark, uh, if we're leaning oh, into the whole no. the defense is awful bit. But, yeah, I mean, it, it'll be pretty much just the bat. And he, he doesn't seem like a guy that's going to wear down too much over time. So, yeah, there's there's not a lot of reason to believe he won't be productive by the end of his what age 34 35 season Nathan what did you what do you think of kind of the strategy that they've gone with now after signing Schwarber they signed Castellanos we've talked a lot about the defense but and we mentioned this last pod too like Matt Gelb in that story along with Stark he mentioned this that they're kind of just doubling down on this lineup and ignoring some of the defensive problems when he was on the pod months ago, he said that was what they were going to do. What do you think of they, they did this like to the extreme beyond what I thought they would end up doing? But what do you think of this double down and, and this commitment to just kind of out hitting their opponents? Well, yeah, that's the plan. Yeah, we 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 talked about it on the pod what two days ago, three days ago. By the time it's probably drops, and we talked about it in the space last night. Um, the the problem wasn't necessarily the strategy in and of itself. The problem was the strategy coupled with the fact that the offense wasn't good enough to out hit it. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, they went with this whole, like the defense doesn't matter thing, but then it, it, it didn't really, it didn't really come in exchange for like an otherworldly offense. We thought at one point that it might be that, but by the end of last year, you had one guy down the stretch, it was Bryce Harper. And then other than that, like it was basically nothing, uh, especially when Hoskins was, was hurt. I guess only when Hoskins was hurt, but that was like most of the season. And so the, the, it's the same strategy now, of course. The defense is going to be terrible, probably even worse than it's been the last few years. But the thing now is they probably have the bats to like compensate for that and then some. And that's kind of what they're banking on here. Uh, I've seen a, you know a lot of people saying they're going to win every game 14 to 13, but it's not like the pitching staff is terrible. So obviously you have guys that induce a lot of ground balls, which is going to be a problem. But I also don't think that the Castellanos signing itself like makes the defense all that much worse because like he's probably going to be playing DH. He's going to be playing left from time to time, taking over for Kyle Schwarber, who's no like gold glover himself. If he plays third, it's in place of Alec Bohm, who's no gold glover himself. He, he, he's not going to play third. 
It's yeah, well, yeah. Bryce yeah. Harper played center for them last, like, in 2020. Bryce Harper in center is better than – Nick Cassianos was, like, an all-time bad third baseman. All right, Hoskins yeah. left. We could do this all day. The <laughs> point is, the point is, wherever he plays, he's not going to be replacing somebody that's good at defense. And he's going to be providing a bat that probably makes the offense, at the very least, a top three or top four lineup in the National League. So maybe the offense is good enough to outhit the defense at this point. If it is, it'll be the first time they've actually had that since they started this whole defense doesn't matter strategy. Well, I, I guess 2020 was kind of that way because the offense yeah. was really good in that 60 game season. The only other kind of counterpoint I have, I guess last year, Andrew McCutcheon wasn't good in left field and if Schwarber and Castellanos, like if they're worse, it's not that, that big a drop off. But on the other hand, the defense as a whole probably is going to be worse. You would a lot of Ronald Torres and a lot of Freddie Galvis down the stretch instead of Bohm and Gregorius in a lot of games. So as a whole, more, more Bohm and Gregorius probably makes your defense worse as a whole, but I'm with you on the idea. It's not like it's, the significant drop off compared to what they've had, and now the the bats are just better overall. I I, I just want to pose pose a quick question. I, I do agree with you guys, especially I, I know in the last pod you talked about how the, the infield defense, like that's the real issue on, on the yeah, side, and like you know it, it, at this point it kind of is what it is. We'll see what happens with Bryce and Stott. Um, but but there, so you know Nathan, you mentioned Castianos is probably going to be you know as close to the everyday DH as as you can get. They're probably won't gonna want to put Hoskins there once in a while, Harper there once in a while. The big one is JT Rio Muto, right? They're yeah. they're gonna try to keep his bat in the lineup, I would assume on days he isn't catching. But then, all right, how do you fit Castiano, Schwarber, Harper all in the field? Like what does that look like? Do you do that or 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 is Rio Muto just not not in the in the lineup when he's not catching because he's he's not as good a hitter as as either of, of Castianos or Schwarber. Do you do a the occasional Castianos Harper Schwarber outfield? I don't I don't think. Here's here's what I think would probably happen on days you want to on days you want to get Real Muto like off his feet a little bit. You'll probably line that up with like other off days for other guys so he plays some first as opposed to DH like. I don't know when real Muto is your DH, like it's not a ton of value there. I think his hitting value comes from the fact that he's one of a few catchers that is an above average hitter like that. So I don't know if it's like this huge priority that he has to DH, but right. I get what you mean. Like yeah. you're not going to yeah. want him to catch every day. Maybe he just gets stri- more straight up days off than you would have thought. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing too, is like, you kind of talked about it uh, just now, but like it, JT is probably, the sixth or seventh best hitter in this lineup. Like if you talk about the big four and then Segura is probably a better overall hitter, maybe if bone bounces back, there's six guys who are probably better than real Muto. And like, yeah, if, if he needs to have the occasion, that might be a stretch. Well, if he, if we, if you get 2020 bone and then sort of a down year from JT 2020 real Muto was amazing. Okay. Yeah. I'm saying 2020 bone. 2021 JT, maybe even a bit worse. Okay, fine. Say say that he's not that. He's right. still probably the sixth best hitter in the lineup. And if you get him a day off, like, yeah, you want to keep his bat in the lineup, but also it's not imperative that you do so. Maybe you need him as a pinch hitter late because of matchups or something like that. I know that the pitcher's not going to be hitting, but it's it's not the worst thing in the world if you give him a day off that's like a complete day off, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm with yeah. you. And he, he catches a lot. I know 
as he gets older, like injury is more of a concern, but like a lot of his value, like I mentioned before, is he's one of a few catchers who can really hit. And he is like a, a good defensive catcher overall, good framer, great arm. You, you want him behind the plate as much as possible, especially in the early years of his contract that he signed last offseason. So as of right now, I don't know if that's like a, yeah. a huge priority. I have, I have one other other minor thought on that, you know, yeah. Kyle Schwarber, at least, especially in, in 2021, because oh that's all I'm, I'm looking at is like a, a, a I'm not I'm not going to say he's going to catch. I know that's what <laughs> you look at me for. I thought that no, Johnny no, was no. going to say Kyle no, Schwarber, he, 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 he has caught at the major league level. Yeah, I know. Um, but his his platoon splits are pretty there's a pretty big gap between, you know, lefties and righties. So maybe, maybe they target, all right, when a lefty's pitching, that's when we can throw real Muto at, at DH or, or throw him at first and ask yeah. something along those lines. It's a good lines. call. I thought you were going to say he could be, he could fill that catcher. Listen, they have, they, they, you know, they should Harper and Schwarber, two guys who should probably catch. Any thoughts there, Nathan? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I mean, I think he's right. Like, it's it's sort of the strategy of like, do you want to give everybody the off days at the same time? It's like, okay, you know, when you're playing fantasy football and all and you're like trying to draft, do you draft guys with the same bye week? So you just tank for that one week, or do you draft people with different bye weeks so you only have a you know one guy down each week? It's kind of the same way with this, not at all, but it's kind of the same way with this, where it's like, do you want to give them all the off days at the same exact time and play the platoon splits or whatever, or do you want to like sprinkle them around and have JT sit one day, but everybody else is playing, or do you, you get what I'm saying? The analogy worked better in my head than when I started saying it. It made sense. Who's, it made sense. who's the backup catcher, do you think? Stubbs. Is it Stubbs. Really? Probably Stubbs. Do you think it's Stubbs? I think it's probably Stubbs. What about Donnie Sands with a hit in the first spring training game? That's so true. Maybe, maybe yeah. a couple hits. I think, I think they're going to probably look for a glove first backup, though. So I just, here, here's where they have a glove first know. backup. Marshawn. Yeah, but but yeah. Stubbs is too. Is is well, like more than more than I Sands. guess if the the calculus is a little different um this year the DH changes things. What I had what I had always kind of thought with the backup catcher position um is 2020 was obviously different cuz the DH but when Real Muto catches so many games you needed they should have had a more offensive minded catcher for pinch hits. Uh, because Real Muto just caught so much, like you would have had, it would have been more important to have somebody who can who can get pinch hits when Andrew Knapp is coming up in like late and close situations all the time. Um, but now it's a little different, so I, I don't know which one would really be better. Well, it's it's also different now because like the, the lineup is so much better than it was last year. So yeah. you know, if you have one or two spots in the lineup that's just a black hole this year, uh, it's better than having like three or four or five such spots last year. So, you know, if, if you have a, a glove first specialist backup there, uh, I mean, the lineup's still pretty good. Yeah. I'm with you. I want to know, do you guys think um, after signing Castellanos before they hit the next luxury tax threshold, which is, which is $250 million, they, they have like 10 million before they get there at their current payroll, give or take 10 million. Is there anything next before opening day? Do they leave room for the trade deadline? Do they pick up a reliever? Do either of you guys have any picks there? 
I think maybe they they pick up a uh when we were talking about this off pod earlier I, I think maybe they pick up a starting pitcher because um you know it, it's kind of unclear who's going to be available you know opening day in that first month really um outside of that I think and, and it could just be you know like Cueto on a on a, a really small deal or like Drew Smiley, your literal boy. He just um, signed. Oh, he the Cubs. oh, we talked about this last night too. It's just he's still listed as a free agent. You know these these websites. Yeah, he just signed. Crazy. He just signed what the Cubs, right? Cubs, yeah. Um, but beyond that, I think you know, looking at uh, like the the free agents next year, you can kind of put together all right, these are guys who might be available at the deadline, and I think they probably want to leave a little room for that. Um, you know, maybe Noah Syndergaard is, is shoving for the Angels this year and they're not very good. I think that's actually relatively likely. Um, maybe they they go all in on, on a guy like Whitmer, half a season of Whitmerfield. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe they would probably get out bid prospect wide for something yeah. like that. And, and Scott Lauber from the Inquirer reported the other day that they'd been talking about um, Meadows, Austin Meadows mm-hmm. from the Rays. That I was think, before they signed. I think Castellanos, Castellanos probably, probably. But that's also out. someone. I don't think he can really play center. But he's not that good in left. He has an arm, I think, but yeah. he's not. He's not. Just, just another name. Like if he gets traded at some point, I guess like yeah, they could be in. They're gonna they're gonna be in on like. It feels like they'll be connected to everybody who's gonna go for a mid level contract for a little bit right now i mean i mean there's also like thinking back to the trade deadline like you know diamondbacks are terrible how much how much longer is is kittel Marte available for like you know guy like that but again you you add in that the phillies farm system is not as deep as a lot of other teams so i I think there's a lot of of options but i I feel like i would expect it to be more deadliney stuff than maybe like one maybe one more signing now and then they kind of see where they're at nathan yeah, I would say it's probably going to look something more like, you know, a low end starter that's just going to eat some innings for you. Well, they're getting healthy and fully ramped up and things like that. And because, you know, somebody's going to get hurt at some point, you're going to need a guy to fill those spots. I actually wanted to ask, though, if in the context of the whole luxury tax thing, Ty, we talked about this on Thursday, Thursday. Um, it it didn't seem like at that point with the part of the reason we were saying they're not going to sign Castellanos is. That they had been bargain hunting in the bullpen and doing that with it, it seemed like the approach based on that was that they're not going to pay the tax and they're going to go right up under it for, you know, as they have tended to do. Um, but then they went over the tax and it, it, it seemed like the thing that triggered that was that they got Kyle Schwarber, which was a move that like, wasn't really unexpected. It was kind of something that had been predicted like all throughout the lockout. Uh, They've been talking prior to the lockout. They've been, you know, like projected to land them during the lockout and things like that. So it's again, I, I don't, I don't, I know like a lot of people are excited about them paying the tax. It just seems like if they were going to decide to pay the tax, why didn't they do that a little bit earlier and maybe go for more of an upgrade in the pen or something like that? Um, then seemingly, and maybe this was the plan the whole time. And maybe it was just something that came about when Castellanos's market wasn't, wasn't, wasn't quite there, but it seems like if they had had the foresight to, all along that they were going to be paying the tax, they might be in a little better spot as far as the bullpen goes, but also maybe as far as starting pitching depth and things like that go. I don't know. Yeah, what do you, what think, do you think all about around, that? I think all around they would have been in a better spot and given themselves more options like earlier in the offseason. I kind of posed a question to Johnny earlier, like if they if they were if they knew they were going over the luxury tax the whole time, like would they have been in on Correa more from the start? And 
would you like say would you rather have Schwarber and Cassianos or like Correa and Soler who just signed with the the Marlins like both of those combinations Soler getting a bit more than I expected it's like that kind of thing like they just would have had more options from the start and that I think is an ownership thing rather than the Phillies front office I think based on the reporting in the athletic it, it seemed like it took some convincing based on this Castellanos market the way it developed um that that's just how it kind of shook out but Dabrowski yeah. was able to like convince ownership to sign off on it well how, how much how much of, a, of an impact do we think Bryce Harper specifically had because there, there were some reports that um you know he, he was really pushing this um, so he also said today Jim Salisbury posted this I believe like Harper woke up to this news and was surprised he didn't think it was going to happen like I I really think this was a Dombrowski guy, a Dombrowski move, and they signed Dave Dombrowski. Dombrowski, they hired him, I should say, to like go in and, and kind of win with this core. And when you bring on Dave Dombrowski, like this is just the kind of executive that he is. Like he's going to be able to convince owners to to go all in and, and double down on the players they have and keep adding talent. So I think Harper, like yeah, Harper wants to win and he wants good players around him like what star player doesn't but I think what it comes down to is like I think they just have the right guy in charge right now to kind of put the things in place yeah and I think this is something I remember us talking about you know a year ago when they when they brought Dombrowski in like you know I think the reaction a lot among a lot of people was you know Dave Dombrowski like he has just kind of run teams into the ground and and has, has left teams in really bad spots and you know there are all these smart young executives you know why not why not bring bring in one of those types of guys um and I think you're you're right in saying like this is the situation you want Dombrowski for because yeah. they have a, a nice core of, of good players who aren't going to be this good for for much longer um and and they just have to win now you know maybe that that even includes, you know, beyond how many guys they have signed the next four or five years. Maybe that includes, I don't know, like, would, would you trade McAbel for Kendall Marte at the deadline? Like, who knows? That's something Dave Dombrowski would maybe do, but a lot of other executives might not. And, and um, maybe that kind of leaves you in a bad spot in three years. But um, I, again, they, they haven't made the playoffs since 2011. And, and at some point, you just got to go in. Yeah. And, and also, I want to add, like, you think back, work since like post money ball baseball has been in this kind of position where everybody they're so worried about value and contracts and everything like that where sometimes and and to not say that Dave Dombrowski is like this dinosaur and he doesn't value analytics or scouting or anything like advanced scouting because he obviously does he just overhauled the Phillies farm system and and brought in some front office people from different organizations and things like that. But sometimes like in a, in a post money ball baseball world, every people overthink stuff where you, sometimes it's as simple as you bring in Dave Dombrowski and you just sign a bunch of really good players. Yeah. And like that's going to make you good rather than, than like, I don't, I don't know, just doing a deep dive. Sometimes it's as obvious as like Nick Cassianos can really hit and why yeah. don't we just sign him? Yeah. Well, when they when they first hired him, the overwhelming reaction was basically, 
goodbye prospects, like all the, the, the few prospects that the team has, like they're basically gone. Goodbye, McCable, goodbye, Bryson Stott. And that's because he's perceived as this guy that's going to go all in. He's going to be ultra aggressive, blah, blah, blah. But the, I mean, as you're saying, Ty, that if they're not overthinking it, like the, the, the answer all along was pretty obvious. The greatest advantage this team has is the money and being able to spend it. And yeah, every team has that, but um, you know, the fact the that willingness, like, willingness. yeah, exactly. And so maybe that was the answer all along. And what they've done is they've, you know, gone over the tax, but they haven't mortgaged the future in the process, which I think is something that, you know, people kind of viewed it at first when he was hired as like, are they going to go all in or are they going to build for the future? And what we're seeing right now, this could obviously change. Of course, they could trade Mick Abel and Bryson Stott tomorrow for, you know, Brian, like whoever the guy might, might be. But what we've seen so far is, well, I guess as of like two yesterday is, you know, a team that's seemingly willing to spend over the tax and also, uh, also values holding onto those prospects for the long haul too, which is obviously if you're looking at both winning now and winning in the long run, that's the best way to do it. So, yeah, I, that's, and I, I yeah. think it's like really just kind of wild to look back a year ago where they were, like you think back to that Andy McPhail press conference after the 2020 season um, that took place over zoom and they, didn't know who they were going to bring in. He was asking like, Oh, well, who wants to uproot in the middle of a pandemic and run this team? And it didn't seem like they were going to bring back real Muto. And they just seem to be in like a really bad spot. And that's not to say that they're a lock for the playoffs or they're a world series contender for sure this year, but they're in a much better spot than it appeared last year. Like they are in a, in a pretty good spot, I would say. Yeah. And I mean, Johnny, you, you, tweeted this too it's like people also thought that the window was like one or two years maybe two or three years they have harper castellanos cal schwarber jt and zach wheeler all signed through 2025 nolan hoskins through 2023 like they if they're able to extend one or two of, the, of those guys and keep on to the rest of them through uh 2025 like they might be good for the next four years um obviously it all has to work out on the field but on on paper it seems like they're you know yeah it, they obviously have to start winning this year but the window is not like one or two years. It's probably a lot longer than that. Yeah. And we talked about, you know, how Castellanos is 30 earlier and, 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 you know, like none of these guys are old yet, really. How old's Wheeler? Like 31, 32. Yeah. Something like um, that. So, so, you know, there, there's a world where in, in 2024, 2025, you know, a couple of those guys are struggling. Like, like that happens to 33 year old baseball players, but at the same time, none of them, none of them are, are like, wow, this guy is, is, is going to really, really not have much value in, in three years. The, the biggest example is Real Muto, and that's only because of his position. And, and like Ty mentioned earlier, he's he not a great injury. hitter. He's a good hitter and, and a catcher. Yeah. Um, so, and, and he's, he's super athletic. Um, it's really tough for anyone to, to stick at that position, but guys have done it. Yadier Molina, how old is he? 37. And he, he, you know, he's continued to catch. So, um, I, I think it, it, it's important to note that that while these are all free agents they signed and brought in, most of them, um, they're all guys that at least could age pretty well, and, and none of the contracts are going to kill them um, outside of maybe the Harper contract in, in 2028. So, and, and I think um, on the Nola and Hoskins note, it'll be interesting to see how the next year looks. Uh, maybe next, it's the next offseason thing where they start to yeah. talk extensions, but um, I think it's a big year for both those guys. You know, if Hoskins stays healthy and, and rakes for a whole season, like he kind of looked like he was going to, 
last year. Um, may, maybe they're they're more willing to give him like I don't know five years, a hundred some million. Yeah. Um, so something to watch for sure. Nathan, you have anything else you want to touch on before we wrap this kind of quick episode up? I guess I, I don't know if there's a point in asking this because we can't really like read John Middleton's mind, but we know obviously how 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 much they treated how they treated the luxury tax for each of the past few years. Like we're gonna go right, you know, up up until it, but we're not gonna pass it. Do you think that they're gonna have that same approach to the different thresholds now that they're above the luxury tax? Like, are they gonna try to stay right under the second threshold, or do they go over that and maybe stay right under the third, or do they? I mean, they're not going to pay the Steve Cohen tax probably, but like, it, it's just interesting. And obviously I, I don't, I don't expect you to like be able to read his mind and know, but I'm just curious. Cause I don't know how they're going to approach that. I think probably they're going to try to stay under the second threshold because there's probably not that like big fish out there that they can still land other than like Trevor story or something like that, but it's just not something I see. So I don't, how do you, how do you see them approaching that? My, my best guess is probably staying under that for now. And it could be like a situation-dependent thing if they're competing for first place in the division at the trade deadline and there's some expensive-ish player that's out there that they think could help the team. I think Dombrowski like, could make a case to ownership that it would help them compete for a championship and they could sign off on it. I it, It's going to be a, like a matchup-dependent thing, like what, what their situation is and who the player is and everything is kind of going to go into it. But I would say now there's like a, a better chance and not to like keep harping on this Dombrowski thing, but Middleton, like he spoke really well of, of Matt Klintak when he was the GM, like compared to 2019 off season to the off season before 2019 to like some of the best the team has ever had. And it was, they acquired some really great players, but I think like there's just a level of trust that, major league baseball owners have with somebody like Dave Dombrowski that like, if somebody's going to get them to, to keep on spending, it's probably that guy. Well, I I guess another point to make with the luxury tax is um, like the idea of, of as you go over the luxury tax year to year, the, the penalties increase. Um, I imagine they probably are, are anticipating um, resetting next year and, and being under, uh, they have a couple couple contracts coming off the books. Didi Gregorius, Gene Segura has a team option. Um, and uh, something to note too is that the the free agent class next year is pretty weak, um, which I think was probably a factor in signing Castiano. So you know if they set out, you know, we'll sign Trevor Story, then like there's no shot they go back under next year. Uh, so I think that's something that's something to keep in mind. Uh, maybe if if at the deadline there's a a, a guy with a, a hefty contract but it's it expires at the end of the year and they just have to go go over for and the money comes off the books maybe but i don't anticipate them like going over the the second threshold in in a sense that would keep them over next year that makes sense yeah no definitely um i think that's probably a good spot to wrap it up nick castellanos getting added to this phillies lineup i don't know how good they're going to be with nick castellanos but should be a fun lineup to watch. A lot of guys with like 35 homer potential, I would say. So, yeah. All right, everyone. Johnny, Johnny, thank you for hopping on. Nathan, of course, good to record another episode so soon after the last one. But thank you to everyone for tuning in again. We'll talk to you next time.